If he's the fairest of 10,000 to your soul, there isn't a chance that you'll ever see the place I preached about this morning. Because it is your attitude, your life, your heart, and your relationship, and your works toward the Lord Jesus Christ that make all the difference in the world as the evidence of a saved soul. Open your Bibles tonight to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I preached to you this morning about hell and eternal judgment. It's part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is as a real part of this universe as anything else you can see, and more so because it will last forever. The wicked slept this morning, dozed, daydreamed, or didn't care. To think that everyone in this assembly is saved and is going to heaven is unscriptural and willingly ignorant. And I'm not trying to be cruel. I have to be honest. I'm your pastor. But I'm not preaching to them because I can't help them anyway. I'm preaching to all those that fear God and want to know what they ought to do after a sermon like that. The righteous want to know what to do. If you know you deserve hell and you fear God accordingly because of that, then listen tonight, just for a few minutes. I want to read to you a few verses, and I don't care if I've jumped ahead of myself in the book of Acts. I think you'll find comfort. Acts chapter 16, I want to begin reading at verse 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, They caught Paul and Silas, and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword, and would have killed himself, 
supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Amen. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word. I want to tell you that this jailer was given a charge for the Apostle Paul and his companion Silas to put him into prison, and so he thrust him into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. They were in the dungeon with their feet locked in stocks. But Paul and Silas prayed because their hope and trust was in God. And I hope that if we were ever in a situation similar to this, we'd pray and sing praises also. They were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame and punishment for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They prayed and sang, and they prayed and sang loud enough that the prisoners heard them. They weren't afraid. They weren't ashamed. And this brought a blessing from the Lord, a great earthquake. We don't believe in coincidences. We believe in providence, singular, of the Lord. A great earthquake, all the doors were opened, and all the bands were loosed. Every prisoner was free. And the keeper of the prison, waking and seeing all the doors open, and knowing that the Roman rule was, if a prisoner escapes, you lose your life. He pulled out his sword in hopelessness to kill himself, assuming that the prisoners were gone. And Paul and Silas, Paul called unto him and said, Do thyself no harm. We're all here. Now that's amazing in itself. For all the prisoners to still be there, isn't that amazing? They should have all left. The doors were open and their bands were loosed. But they didn't. They were all still there. He said, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in. Here's a man eager. And sometimes I don't see that on your faces or in your actions. Here's a man who sprang in, eager, and fell down before Paul and Silas, brought them out of that inner prison where he had them in the stocks, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Right. Now some of you tonight stood up here not knowing what I was going to preach on, and you said you wanted a church Of every word of God? Well, you're going to get one of every word of God. And I'm not going to spend the next one hour defending, excusing, justifying, or reasoning around Acts chapter 16. What must I do to be saved? They didn't say, well, what do you mean by saved? They said, believe on the name 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they were baptized within the hour, and the man's already beginning to show, the, the man is already showing that his faith was sincere and true. He's washing them, taking them home, feeding them a meal, believing and rejoicing with his whole house. Right. That is salvation, and it includes salvation from the lake of fire. Right. By believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to speak to you tonight who want to know what to do because there's an eternal burning hell. I want to tell you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Amen. Whosoever believeth on him shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And don't you excuse it or apologize for it or worry about it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I see it throughout the Bible that believing the gospel record that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior from sin is the, is the message of the Bible. Amen. Jesus told the Jews, search the scriptures. In them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Right. The whole record of this book from beginning to end, I don't care if it's Genesis and it's the seed of the woman, or it's Revelation, so come quickly, Lord Jesus, it's the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. God made flesh the one mediator between God and men. And the commandment is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We should be more interested in doing our text than excusing our text. This is our text, brethren. Every word of God is ours. Some of you said that tonight. Every word of God in the word of God is ours. And we want every word of it. And I want the words of Acts 16, verses 30 and 31. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Right. And thy house. That's the truth of the gospel. Amen. Did the Philippian jailer believe? Yes, he did. Did his house believe? Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. Was his faith sincere? Yes, it was. It was immediately followed by action. What's the first action that a believer on Jesus Christ wants to do? He wants to be baptized. Because the Bible says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Do you believe that verse? Mark 16, 16 is as true as Ephesians chapter 1. Mark 16, 15 says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. When I see the Philippian jailer believing and being baptized and then wanting to take care of Paul and Silas, who had been his prisoners, whom he knew the magistrates wanted in that innermost prison, when he washed their stripes, undoing and and putting salve on the pain caused, By the rulers beating them, I see a man who indeed shall not come into condemnation nor ever see the lake of fire, but whose place will be in paradise with God and the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. And I can know when I see that man believing the gospel of Jesus Christ that he was elected before the foundation of the world so I don't have to worry about his election. Nowhere in the Bible does God tell us to worry about another man's election. It just tells us to make ours sure. How do I know that the Philippian jailer was already elect of God? Because of Acts 13 and verse 48. 
You can turn over there just a couple of pages. Acts chapter 13 and verse 48. I'm not going to excuse it. I'm not going to defend it. I'm just going to show you how it fits so perfectly well. And I want you to love it. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Acts chapter 13 and verse 48 tells me, And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. You show me a man believing the gospel, the record of Jesus Christ, on the spot. I don't care that he hasn't been taught the five phases of salvation. If he's been told about Jesus Christ, and listen, he laid in his bed in that, in that prison where his family was also living, hearing them sing praises and praying to God. Now they were singing from our hymnal. I heard them singing Amazing Grace, and Babylon has fallen, and there's a land that is fairer than day. And the Philippian jailer heard all that. And when they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he had already been introduced to them by their singing and their praying. And he believed. But when he believed, that's proof that he's already one of the elect of God. They didn't have to give him a lesson in election. The fact that he was able to believe and chose to believe and wanted to believe and did believe sincerely was proof that he was one of God's elect. Because the text tells me here, as many as were ordained to eternal life, Believed. They were already ordained to eternal life, and therefore they believed the message that Paul taught in that place. He didn't need a lesson on the order of justification and that God had justified him before the world began in his eternal counsel. All he needed to do was believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, the Savior of sinners that God had sent into the world, and the King of kings, and the coming judge. And he believed it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 23, after giving us a description of Abraham's faith, and it says that Abraham's faith, believing that Sarah was going to be able to have a baby, though she was dead reproductively, and that he was going to be able to father that child, though he was dead reproductively, It says in verse 22, therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. And that imputed is also called reckoned, and it's also called accounted, and it's also called counted. Four different verbs here in Romans chapters 3 and 4 alone. It was the evidence that Abraham was a righteous man and already justified before God because of the faith he had in God. And what is faith? It's believing. And you know what it says after that? Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. It wasn't written just for Abraham's sake that Abraham believed God about having Isaac and therefore righteousness was reckoned to his account because he was obviously a righteous man. But it says in verse 24 of Romans 4, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, reckoned, accounted, or counted, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Jesus did the dying and Jesus did the resurrecting. And Jesus died for our offenses and he was raised again for our justification. But that was God's work. And our work to know that that applies to our account is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When we believe on him, it is reckoned to our account for righteousness. Because you'd never believe otherwise. 
The Philippian jailer was a righteous man justified by the eternal counsel of God. But he believed the record that Paul and Silas had given to him of Jesus Christ. You know, we read, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. And Paul and Silas didn't even need to tell the jailer that before he believed. All they needed to do when a man says, What must I do to be saved? When he's on his knees, when he's a Roman jailer, when when he has a sword in his hand, and he's on his knees, his face, before Paul and Silas saying, What must I do to be saved? You command them to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can promise them they shall be saved. Amen. Period. Right. Because the man that believes that has already been passed from death into life and shall not come into condemnation. Right. What did the Philippian jailer obtain? By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and being baptized that night, he obtained salvation. From the verses that I've already said. And because that's exactly what Paul told him he would get. But I want to tell you, he obtained confidence of eternal life. John said, these things that are written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye might know that ye have eternal life. So what did the Philippian jailer get? He'd heard singing about hell. He'd heard singing about heaven. He'd heard singing about salvation. And by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, he knew that he was saved. And wasn't going to hell because the Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe that ye may know that ye have eternal life. No, the Philippian jailer wasn't regenerated there in the, in the, the light of his torch. No, he wasn't justified there in the light of his torch. No, he wasn't elected there in the light of his torch. But he was saved there. He was saved from a hopeless future. He was saved from not knowing that he had eternal life. He was saved from not knowing how he would escape the damnation of hell by the Lord Jesus Christ. He was saved from ignorance about how to establish his own righteousness. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 where the Apostle Paul has a great prayer and his heart's desire for Israel is that they might be saved because he says, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. They're going about to establish their own righteousness. Well, that night the jailer was saved from all of that because by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the end of the law for righteousness. As soon as you believe on Jesus Christ for righteousness and salvation, there's nothing else to do but to believe. Yes, there's things to do, but not in order to establish your righteousness because you're trusting Jesus Christ alone. For your righteousness. He was saved from hopelessness. I read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that the hope we have of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is to give us hope that we be not as others which have no hope. The jailer didn't have any hope. Now he's full of hope. You know what it said there? When he's, eat, he's, bu- he's bustling around that kitchen in his little apartment in that jail, Paul and Silas are sitting there eating. Can't you see him bustling around, making sure they're okay, making sure it's a meal that they want? And you know what it's? He's believing and rejoicing instead of being a hopeless Roman. Amen. He was saved. And you know what? He received the Holy Ghost and peace and joy all in one night. What a night. What a salvation. He believed on Jesus Christ and was saved. 
He repented and was saved, and he received the gift of the Holy Ghost according to the testimony of Peter in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And with the gift of the Holy Ghost comes joy and peace in believing, and we see it right there in Acts 16. He was rejoicing with all his house. Brethren, he was converted that night, fully and completely. Did he have more things to learn? Yes. But he had been converted because he had humbled himself, and anything he could learn from those apostles, he was going to obey it. He wanted to hear it. He wanted to do it. He was committed, dedicated, and serious about the whole thing. But I want to tell you something else. The salvation he received that he received from believing... If you believe in the present tense, I want to tell you that salvation from the, from the lake of fire is also going to be yours. And therefore, we have constructions that are present tense believing and future tense salvation because it's very true. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved in that day. There's a day coming, brethren, in which Jesus Christ will make a formal sentence and judgment against all flesh. Death and hell will deliver up the dead that are already in them. And every man is going to be judged according to his works. Every man. Sodom and Gomorrah are going to come back before that judgment seat of Christ. They'll all be there. Cain's going to be there. Abel's going to be there. And there's going to be a formal sentencing by the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, in the present tense... I can promise you, as Paul promised the jailer, thou shalt be saved. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is going to intercede on your behalf. And the way I know that is because those that believe on him shall not be ashamed because he is going to step to the front and deliver you from the awful wrath and judgment of God because your works are going to be no better than the rest. But he's going to have blotted out all that handwriting of ordinances that was against you and the commandments that you broke. And he's going to deliver you by his grace. And he's going to intercede on your behalf. And he's going to save you. And that comes in the future at that formal day of sentencing. But your believing comes now. And so we obviously have a present future construction. And we cannot forsake the word of God and ignore it. I fear so much that too many of our young people in our own souls at times tries to find comfort and reassurance of our salvation and hope of eternal glory in in the doctrinal knowledge that we have of election and justification and regeneration and conversion and glorification, but that's not where it's at. He didn't say believe the doctrine of election and thou shalt be saved. He didn't say believe the five phases and be saved. He said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. Even a man in the flesh can believe the five phases of salvation. But a man in the flesh cannot believe that Jesus Christ is Lord because the Bible tells me that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3. I don't want anyone here, and I don't want myself trusting anything but the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And you better be casting yourself on him 100% or you will not have assurance of your salvation. And you'll hear about hell. And if you're a child of God and you believe what I'm preaching about hell, that it's in the word of God, you're going to be hopeless because you're not trusting the only place, the only one to trust, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It is not this church. It is not the doctrine of this church. It's not the King James Bible. It's not the light that God has shown us of the doctrine from this Bible. It is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself and Him alone. Right, man. Don't you dare come to His presence in that day saying, but Lord, Lord, we divided salvation up better than anyone else. And we very well might be. That isn't going to do you a bit of good. You better come casting yourself at His feet and saying, Lord, I'm undone. I haven't done a thing worthy of heaven. Have mercy upon me. And I'll tell you what, He's going to lift you up. And He's going to say, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Don't you be trusting in anything that you've done. I read in Matthew chapter 7 that the Lord Jesus Christ said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And in thy name cast out devils. They're going to know about his name. They're going to have done some pretty big things. And Jesus is going to say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You say, that sounds so close. It does sound close, but it's not really that close. Do you know what I'm trying to tell you tonight? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Those people in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, are not believing on Jesus Christ. What are they believing on? Themselves and what they've done, even though it might be in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not good enough. It's nothing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in his sight. If you think anything you can do will ever be brought before the judgment seat of Almighty God to vindicate and and acquit and deliver your soul, you're foolishly mistaken. It's only by the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on him. It's not difficult. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I read in Matthew 25 the character of a very different group of people, though Matthew chapter 25 When Jesus stands there and puts his sheep on his right hand, he's going to say to them, Blessed are ye, for when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And they're going to say, Lord, when did we ever see thee hungry and when did we ever feed thee? When did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we see you in prison and visit you? That, my brethren, is the attitude of the Philippian jailer and every man who's going to escape the lake of fire. He sees no goodness in himself at all, but he only sees the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that difference? In Matthew chapter 7, there are those that can only say, Lord, Lord, you must be mistaken, Lord, because look at, remember, I preached in your name. I did many wonderful works in your name. I did it in your name. Lord, aren't you mistaken? And he's going to say, I never knew you. But he's going to take a group and put them on his right hand. And he's going to bring to record the good things that they did in this life for the lowest of the saints. Because he said, as long as you did it to the least of one of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And they're not even going to recognize it as anything worthy of being remembered there at that judgment seat. What a difference in character. Do you see the difference in character? One group trusting in themselves and the other group 
trusting in nothing, even though they had something. But Jesus, we'll leave that up to Jesus Christ, won't we? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Are you trusting in the truth that this church believes? God has shown us a great deal of truth. There's no doubt about it. Most of you don't know how much he's shown us. Because you haven't sat through and read through enough systematic theologies to realize how blind most of the religious learned of this world have been for what God's given us. But if you're trusting in that, it's not going to do us any good. In fact, it can be deceitful blessing. Because it can comfort us into, into a false sense of comfort when our comfort can only be in one place and it's only in one person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen. And nowhere else. Amen. I'm not going to preach a sermon to you like this morning without telling this, the sincere children of God who want to know what to do, what they ought to do, and it's to believe on Jesus Christ. Salvation is by grace. And if you have any wandering of your mind whatsoever to anywhere else to find your comfort, your security, don't look there. Don't look to your good works. You can make your calling and election sure, but you've got to do something else first. And that's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You need to cast yourself on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You need to run to Jesus Christ and beg for his mercy. Right. I think... I may have said this this morning, and if I have repeated myself, then forgive me. When I think of Adam, who went and hid in the trees of the garden because he knew he had sinned. He was guilty and he was ashamed, but he went and hid rather than running out to the presence of God and seeking that presence and begging for mercy. I'll tell you something, he'd have been forgiven. Because the only one that will ever do such begging are those that have already been forgiven. What should we do? Humble yourself. Confess your wretchedness. Repent and seek the Redeemer. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't want to go to hell, but you know you deserve it. You know that God is just in creating it and preparing it and willing to punish men in it. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I read that Jesus said there were two men. The one a Pharisee, he stood in the street corner and prayed, Lord, I thank thee that I'm not like this publican over here. And then he proceeded to list all the things that he had done, I can guarantee you, where he spends eternity, in hell. And that poor man over here that he was making fun of, Jesus said, was a publican who wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, unworthy even look toward heaven, but smote upon his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Do you know what Jesus said? That man went down to his house justified. And do you know what the Philippian jailer did? He went and took Paul and Silas to his house justified. That's why he was rejoicing and believing with all his house. Run to Jesus Christ and say, I am not worthy to be called thy son. I'm undone. I confess my sins. Lord, have mercy upon me. I read of a woman that was a great sinner in a city. And Jesus Christ sat at meat. 
And that woman that was a great sinner, she came into Jesus Christ and he didn't hand her the five phases of salvation. She came in and got down on her hands and knees and she wept tears of contrition and a broken heart on his feet and wiped his feet with the hairs of her head and kissed him with her mouth and anointed them with perfume. And Jesus told her when he was done berating everyone else at the table for sitting there thinking that they deserved to sit on an equal plane with him, he said, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. That's right, man. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I read in Luke 23 that a man who had lived his life in crime, the thief on the cross beside Jesus Christ, and up until a few minutes earlier, had been railing on Jesus Christ with his mate. But he turned to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Is a true promise of God, because you know what Jesus said in return? And I've already said it tonight. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. You're a wretch and you deserve hell. Run to him and beg for mercy. Don't tell him about anything you've done. Because you've done nothing but sin. Run to him and beg for mercy and believe on him. And acknowledge that he is indeed the Redeemer. And with his arbitrary will and pleasure is your salvation. But remember, he's merciful. And those that come unto him, he says, what does he say? I will in no wise cast out. Oh, we get that other verse, don't we? Right there in that context of John 6. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me. I will in no wise cast out. Just make sure you've come to Jesus Christ. Right. If you haven't come to Jesus Christ, on what basis do you think you're in the number of those that God gave to his son? Humble yourself, confess your wretchedness, repent, and seek the Redeemer. That was the purpose that the Apostle Paul had in his life. God one time winked at the ignorance of the Gentiles, but now he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Right. And he's appointed a day in which he will judge the world by Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And he's given assurance to all men that this is certainly going to come to pass because he has raised him from the dead. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is assurance to us that Jesus Christ is going to be the judge of this world. And he's commanding all men everywhere to repent. So we repent and we believe and we flee to Jesus Christ for refuge from judgment to come. For there is, for neither is there any name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. And I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about the preaching of Jesus Christ. I read in verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. If you hear about Jesus Christ and believing on him for salvation and you see in that the power of God in delivering men from hell, then you are saved, according to this text. But believe it is the power of God. I read in verse 24, or I'll get verse 23, the Apostle Paul said, We preach Christ crucified, 
Unto the Jews it's a stumbling block. Unto the Greeks it's foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, it's Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. It's all in how you receive it. Some men think this preaching is foolish. The Jews did. I mean, the, Je- the Greeks did. Because they were looking for something a little more eloquent and intellectual. The Jews wanted more signs. And so they didn't believe. But those that did believe show that they had been called of God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And thou shalt be saved. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. Here's what the Apostle Paul had to say. This is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am chief. Now listen. How be it. For this cause I obtained mercy. Now listen to this. Those of you that need comfort for your souls. How be it. For this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. That is the word of God. Paul was saved by the grace of God, and he believed on Jesus Christ as an example and a pattern for the rest of us. You can look at the life of Paul and see something that God did in Paul's life. Didn't he pick the worst man possible? If he'd have said in 30 or 40 A.D. whenever Paul was saved, I like using that word. I hope it's not bothering you. When Paul was saved, was there a worse man on the earth? As far as those believers in Judea. It was Saul of Tarsus, the enemy of the church of Jesus Christ. He told Agrippa, and he meant it, and he was sincere. I verily thought within myself that I ought to do many things contrary to Jesus of Nazareth. But the Lord saved Paul, and he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll tell you, in that great day, he's going to be saved again. Because he wrote to us in Romans 13 and said, Now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. That's right. <laughs> he did write that. But you know what? In 1 Timothy 1.16... First of all, in verse 15, he's pointed out that he was the chief of sinners, of whom I am chief. And this is a faithful saying that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. God had a purpose for the creation of this world and the fall of man. He was willing to make his wrath and his power known, Romans 9.22, in the vessels of wrath. But he was also willing to make his grace and his mercy known in the vessels of mercy, which he had afore, afore prepared unto glory. Jesus Christ came into the world. Do you want to be one of those vessels of mercy prepared afore unto glory? It's so simple. Do you want to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how to get born again. I can't tell you how to get elected. I can't tell you how to be justified. But I can tell you how you can know that all three of those things are true. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you in the future tense shall be saved. You'll be delivered in the great day of wrath. By the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was an example and a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Will you believe tonight unto life everlasting? 
You know, the first act of obedience, and I've already quoted it a couple times, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Baptism is the answer of a good conscience toward God, 1 Peter 3.21. Jesus told his apostles just before he left the world, he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That is the order of the gospel, the basic preaching that Jesus Christ was sent to this world to save sinners and is the Son of God and is the coming judge of the quick and the dead. You believe that, you get baptized, then you hear everything else. But do you know what you can tell a person that believes that first part? Thou shalt be saved. Do you want to be saved from eternal fire? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Run to him. No one will ever be ashamed for trusting in Jesus Christ. He's the great dividing person of history. I don't mean AC, AB, uh, AD and BC. What I mean is only those who shall be saved eternally and not find their place in the lake of fire have any interest in him. Right. Every, to everyone else, Jesus Christ is despised and rejected. Why do you see him tonight? You know, we sang a song this morning, "'Tis a point I long to know." I sometimes feel like a basically the song says, sometimes I wonder if I'm one of God's elect and delivered from that lake of fire or not. But I know that I have a love for Jesus Christ at times. If you have a love for Jesus Christ, it is an evidence because Jesus Christ is that great dividing point between men. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or not tonight? And then you continue with the good works of everything else he's taught us to do. I read in James chapter 2, can faith save a man? It's a rhetorical question. No. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is nothing but what the devils have. And so you want to bring forth works that prove your faith is true and sincere. And the jailer was already doing it. He wanted to be baptized. He was washing their wounds and he was feeding them a meal. And he was rejoicing because God was blessing his faith and his works. I read in Second Peter chapter 1 a long list that I'm not even going to go to that it says to add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, brotherly kindness, charity, godliness. And if you do these things, you shall never fall. Amen. And you'll make your calling and election sure. And so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Peter once said, Lord, we've forsaken all to follow you. Jesus said, No man's forsaken me. No man has forsaken anything for me that shall not obtain manifold more in this present life and everlasting life in the world to come. We're in First Timothy, look at chapter six. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at verse 11. For those of you that heard the sermon this morning and you believe there's a burning hell, but you don't want to go to that burning hell, you want to go to the presence of God forever, then I tell you to lay hold on eternal life. Amen. Look at 1 Timothy 6. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. And follow after righteousness.
godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Make your calling and election sure. You can lay hold on eternal life and not let it go. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then do these things to lay hold of it. Look at it. It repeats it again in this chapter. Look at verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Yes, we believe in unconditional salvation by grace. I'm not talking about conditions that are necessary in order for God to work for you, but I am telling you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in the future. You can lay up a good foundation to come by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible tells me that, and so you're going to get every word of God from the word of God. Turn to 1 Thessalonians, and I'm done. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you want peace, if you want joy, if you want assurance of your salvation, there's one thing to do. It's to get alone and flee to Jesus Christ. Run to Jesus Christ and beg for mercy and acknowledge that you're a sinner. And he will give you peace and joy in believing. If you trust in the least degree on yourself, there's no hope for me to give you peace and joy. And there isn't any evidence that you will be saved. Run to Jesus Christ and trust in Him. I'm going to read these ten verses. And this is what I pray for this church. And I hope you'll all pay attention to these ten verses because they describe a church of the Lord Jesus Christ that is commended very highly. And it explains the gospel and believing and election all in one short chapter. Please follow me. And this will be the conclusion to my sermon. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Paul. And Silvanus and Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God 
from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Heavenly Father, I thank Thee for Thy Son, Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. Amen. And I pray that this church will be one that deserves the praise and commendation that the Thessalonians received from the Apostle Paul and that from us might sound out the word of the Lord to others and that others might know of our reputation that we are waiting for your son Jesus from heaven and that we have turned from our idols and from this ungodly generation to serve thee. O Lord, I pray for every soul that in sincerity and truth believes and knows there is an eternal burning hell and that they are worthy of that place by Adam, by themselves, and by your pure and holy justice that you will cause them, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit to see Jesus Christ and to flee to him and to run to him and, O Lord, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to find that peace and hope and joy in believing that we have. Heavenly Father, increase our faith and cause us to see him more clearly that we might live for him more perfectly. For we ask it in his blessed name who loved us and gave himself for us, even our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.